0: You are. to are. You are. the You are. Detire. Detire. You are. My you are. My Holy name. You are holy. You are righteous You are magnificent. You are victorious. You are holy. You are omnipotent You are holy. You are You are holy. You are holy. You are You are holy. You are You are You are You are Let hey everybody come everybody. the Lord. Bless yes, I will sing unto the Lord.
1: Bless Let's give God praise tonight. Let's worship that holy name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. We give you all the glory, dear God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We have come together tonight to praise God in spirit and truth. One place Jesus said, um, he looked at his disciples and he said, Blessed are your eyes, because many have wanted to see the things that you're seeing and were not able. And blessed are your ears, for many wanted to hear the things that you are hearing. And we're not able. Many kings, many prophets. Uh, sometimes the devil will come to you and will tell you that um, living for God and what you're learning and, and the faith that you are being taught, that it's, it's nothing, that it's simple, that it's, it's not to be taken seriously. And if you look at the world's view of, of the things of God, sometimes you can, um, you can get a feeling of inferiority as if you're not good enough and and the world is so good at looking down their nose at godly things. But I want you to understand tonight that you need to take great confidence in what you have and in what you know and act in that confidence. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm convinced that the devil talks people out of living for God and working for God to their full potential because he tells them they're not going to make it. If you ever woke up and realized what we could do in the Holy Ghost, the devil couldn't do one thing with you. He doesn't want you to ever figure out that you have blessed eyes, that you can take great confidence in what you're hearing, and you can love what you're seeing. And it's not just someone's interpretation, but we have a more sure word of prophecy that you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Hallelujah. I'm seeing the things of God. I'm hearing the things of God, not false doctrine, the things of the Most High God. And I will take confidence in those things. Amen. Remain standing with me tonight. I am glad to be a part of God's church. I'm glad to be a part of the blood-washed multitude, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Hallelujah. That's the church of the living God. Amen. And we're part of it. And you're enjoying the presence of God here in it tonight. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to bring to the pulpit uh, the evangelist that is down here at this time, Brother Wallace. He and his wife brother and sister wallace are down here in south florida they're going to be preaching at the rally on friday night and tonight he's going to be preaching the word of god from houston texas let's give the lord a hand clap of praise as he comes to preach the word of god why don't
2: you give that hand clap to god hallelujah you are worthy lord jesus we praise you lord god we exalt your name tonight lord jesus there is none like you O oh god We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor forever, dear God. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The psalmist put it this way. This one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If I've got one wish tonight, I want to be in the house of God. There's many places that you could be tonight but this is where I want to be. There are many people doing other things tonight, but this is what I want to be doing. I want to be in the middle of the red-hot power of God that changes lives, that heals bodies, that brings together broken marriages. That's where I want to be tonight. That's the power I believe in tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I am so happy to be here tonight. I... I'm honored to be here tonight. I'm honored that uh, Brother and Sister Feld would have me here. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know them and uh, looking forward to getting to know you. Um, if you turn turning your scripture to the book of 2 Chronicles, the 18th chapter, the first verse. Hallelujah. Say amen when you have it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years he went down to Ahab and Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance, and for the people that he had with him, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. And Ahab the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. And if you would look at verse 28 of the same chapter. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself, and I will go to the battle. But put thou on thy robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went to the battle. Now the king of Syria had... Commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. And God moved them to depart from him. For it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. And if you would just go with me to one more scripture, it'll be Romans, the 12th chapter and the first verse. I know that there are probably many people here tonight that can quote this verse. And uh, there's probably men on this platform that can quote the whole chapter. I probably know that to be true. Brother Urshan probably can do that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you will, bear with me for a few moments tonight. I would like to preach on something that is very dear to my heart and something that I feel very strongly, and that is a subject, the call to conform. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to read your word, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord Jesus. Let your truth enter into our hearts tonight, O oh God. Let it find a resting place there and a home there, Lord God. Let it affect change, Lord God, in us that we may go into a lost and a dying world and affect it, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in the wonderful and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may be seated. I was reading uh, this story in the Bible, and this this jumped out at me. And I was reading in the 12th uh, 12th chapter of the book of Romans, and I saw that word conformed. And it's it's a word that maybe if somebody walked up to you on the street... um, you may not be able to give them the best definition of it. And I, and I began to study it, what it meant, you know, the, the intricacies of, of what it implied. It, it simply means to comply with. Uh, a very similar word would be compromise, to fall in line, to make similar. And I began to think about a call that is going forth in our world, and it is the call to conform. I, I come from the city of Houston, and Houston is the great conforming city. We uh, we were talking about this on the way here, uh, Pastor Urshan and I. There are churches on every corner. They just got back from Houston last year. They, they know what it's like. There are churches that run in the tens of thousands, and there are churches that have men that come to their pulpit every Sunday and men that walk to their pulpit on Wednesdays and they and they have their activities and they have this and that and they call themselves Christians. But they have a different definition of Christianity than I do. Because those are not men of God. Because I've heard them speak and they won't get in their pulpit and declare the truth. They won't get in their pulpit and say that in order to be saved, you need to know what Acts 2.38 says. They can't quote it to you. They don't understand that without repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is no salvation. They will not get in their pulpit and preach that. I'm here to tell you tonight That America is rotting from the ground up Because men of God Will not get in their pulpit And say thus saith the word of the Lord Men of God will not get in their pulpit And say there is right And there is wrong And you must comply to that Which is right And America rots from the ground up Today Because of that It's a call to conform. It's not something that is perceived by the fleshly ear. It's not something that your mind will pick up on. It's very subtle. It's it's, it's quiet. It's tricky. The, The Bible says that to be carnally minded is death. Your carnal mind will not pick up on it. As a matter of fact, Satan counts on your carnal mind to slip that word into you. And and he'll come along and it'll seem like the most innocent of circumstances. And it'll, it'll seem like the most innocent situation, but he'll, he'll he'll sneak a lie into your mind. And it will begin to rot away something on the inside. And there there is a, a necrosis that takes place. There is a there's a dying inside that people don't even realize is happening. I I was uh I was reading the other day, and I came across across this quote, and I found it very interesting. And I would like to read it for you tonight. Pay very close attention to what it says. We have prospered. We have been preserved in peace and prosperity for many years. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand that has preserved us in peace and multiplied, enriched, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient To feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power. To confess our national sin. And to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now when I heard that, before I found out who said it, I thought it was the words of a preacher. I thought it was the words of a spirit-filled man of God. But when I found out who said it, it made me very ashamed. One hundred and forty-five years ago, Abraham Lincoln looked out across a nation that opened the Word of God vastly more than we do today. He looked out across a nation that fell on their knees and prayed to God vastly more than our nation does today. And he said, we have forgotten God. My God, if he could wake up today... If he could only come out of the grave today and see what has happened to a nation that has forgotten God. I never heard of a school shooting when there was prayer and Bibles in the school. I never saw people falling into sin at the age of 12 and 13 when there was reading of the Bible and prayer in school. This nation needs a Jesus name revival. There will be no growth, there will be no forward movement until God is preached from the pulpits of America again. But I seek conformity working its way in you may wonder what does this have to do with me I see it working its way into the church I see it working its way into the church I want to look to the old standards I want to seek out the old paths I want to find a Holy Ghost filled man of God that knows the truth that has been there that has walked the road that knows the sacrifice that knows the turmoil that knows the pain and I want to fall in behind him I want to do it the right way but we're in a nation that just doesn't care anymore they just don't care anymore They wonder why the stock market is crashing. They wonder why our currency is losing its value. Let me tell you something. It is the height of hypocrisy for a nation to print on its coinage and on its dollar bills in God we trust and then go and fund every sort of filth and degradation that is belched out of the very bowels of hell. It's hypocrisy. It's conformity. And God hates it. I read in the Bible where the Pharisees, good old Pharisees, they'd come up to Jesus when he's trying to minister, and and he looked at them and said, oh, you generation of vipers. He called them whited sepulchers. He talked about the, he said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. What's he talking about? He's talking about that that conformity, that, that hypocrisy that puts on a face but does something different. He said you walk in the marketplaces with your big prayers and you want to be heard of men and you make broads your phylacteries and it's wrong and it's of the devil and it's not right. And Satan will try to sneak that hypocrisy into the church. I've seen it. I've had loved ones. People that I saw grow up in the church. They grew up in a truth preaching church. They were watered with the Holy Ghost. They had the sunshine of the word of God in their life. They had the truth. They were trees planted by the rivers of water. And the leaven got them. Satan got in there. The hypocrisy made its way in there. And it's, it's not a new trick. Satan has been doing this for many, many, many years. Satan has had 6,000 years to find out the inner working of the human mind and to manipulate it and to twist it. And even before that, it was that conformity that made one-third of the angels follow a rebellious and demonic spirit straight to hell. That's what it was. There's something about conformity that has so much to do with hell. Something about conformity that would blacken one-third of the angels with a hot ash of hell. And you move on through the Bible, and you come to the Garden of Eden. It's a fresh beginning. It's a new beginning. And there's these two beautiful creations of God that are made in the image of God, that are made to have a relationship with God. And, and Satan slithers in there, and he, and, he, and he starts beginning to talk to them. And he said, have God said that you will die? Thou shalt not surely die. But God knows that in the day that you eat of the fruit, you will be like him. And no good and evil. Well, you understand the implication there. If they're like God, they won't need God. They can be their own God. They can do whatever they want. They can walk their own path. They can think how they want to think. They're not subject to sin. It's conformity. You read on through the Bible. I come to a man called Abraham. Abraham. This man of faith who was strong, and I could talk to you all night about the Abrahamic covenant, and Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. No, Jacob, because of conformity. Esau, rather than having the blessing and rather than having the birthright, wanted the things of this world. You look at me right now. You listen to what this preacher is saying to you. If you conform, your children will conform. If you conform, your family will conform. If you conform, if you don't become a leader that shows them the way that you are supposed to live, if you don't conform to the image of his son, your family will conform. I began to read in the Scripture and the genealogies, and it said that Esau had a son named Eliphaz, and Eliphaz had a son named Amalek. If you conform... Not only will your children conform, but you will teach them to hate the church. I have seen some of the greatest church haters that were the children of backsliders. Esau has a son named Eliphaz. Eliphaz has a son named Amalek. And you find that when the children of Israel come out of their bondage in Egypt, they've been in Egypt for 400 years. When they come out, they come to a place called Rephidim. And when they get there, the first people that attack the children of God are the Amalekites. Their own blood attacked him. Why? Because conformity. Because he let conformity in. I know it seems strong, but I'm trying to pound it into your brain tonight. Do not leave the smallest of openings for the enemy. You listen to what your pastor says. You listen to the Word of God. It will keep you. It will sustain you. It will hold you. It will hold you. It will hold you. It will be an anchor in storms. It will be a foundation in the turbulent times. You listen to what they say. You listen to what these men of God say. They hear from God. And if Satan is telling you something other than what they're telling you, it's of the devil. And you recognize it. And you reject it. Because God wants a spotless church that is without blemish. That is without blemish. Hallelujah. You can even see it in the New Testament. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. be not conformed to this world. It grieves my heart when I walk into a church. I walk into a church and there's many churches to walk into in Houston and just look around. And I walk into church and I see young people that are trying to look like the world. They're trying to look like the world. And they, and they don't they don't pull it off right. They, they, you know, in Texas, you know, the longhorns and cowboys and c- cattle rustlers and everybody wants to be a, a cowboy and they, they, they call them kickers and they'll all wear their big belt buckles and they'll walk around in their tight blue jeans. They look totally stupid. They look ridiculous. You should not teach your children to be a kicker. They shouldn't be ghetto. They shouldn't be any of the stereotypes that this world pushes. You need to teach your child to be Christian. You need to teach your child to be a God follower. You need to teach your child to love the name of Jesus Christ. You need to teach it to your children and to your grandchildren. They need to know Acts 2.38. They need to know that there is one God that is the Father of all, that is above all, through all, and in you all. That is a strong foundation that will keep you. It will ground you. I see people that bring their children to church and the pastor will tell them something and they'll take their child home and they will tell that child you ain't got to listen to that that's the pastor's conviction that's the pastor's stand and then when that child falls into rebellion and sin they'll bring that child right back to the man that they taught to rebel against and they'll say do something do something. Half the time, they just don't want the trouble of doing it themselves. They should have taken care of the foundation. They should have taken care when it was being laid. They should have poured the cement right. Then the house wouldn't seem to be off. And I see people who teach their family and their children how to die. It's conformity. I don't want to conform to this world. I have seen where that will lead you. I, I began to read in, this, in this, this reading of the Bible about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king. Jehoshaphat was a, was a righteous king. The, the Bible spoke very, very highly of Jehoshaphat. I, said, I talked about him uh, building cities, of store and places of refuge and, 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 and having men and, and military might, and he would garrison the cities, and God helped him mightily. I, I began to read, and then, and then, and then this king, Ahab, who's one of the most wicked kings in the Bible, and his wife is one of the greatest God-haters in the Bible, comes walking up to him and says, hey, let's join together in battle. Why? Whose side are you fighting on? Let's join ourselves together in battle. And what does Jehoshaphat say? I don't even know where it comes from. Your people are like my people. Your ways are like my ways. Your God is like my. Are you? Have you lost your mind? What are you talking about? You're nothing alike. You serve the one true living God. You don't serve Baal. You don't serve Ashtoreth. You serve Jehovah God. What are you talking about? And I don't understand it because, because Jehoshaphat did not need Ahab's armies. He didn't need them. I started reading through the numbers. Right in the chapter before we began to read, he started talking about 200,000 here, 300,000 there, 100,000. I added it up. He had over a million mighty men fighting on his side. What did he need Ahab for? Let me tell you what happened there. He didn't want to take a stand. Did you know that conformity is very easy to do? It feels good because there is no conflict. You don't have to stand up to somebody and say, You're wrong, get out of my face. You don't have to, you don't have to make a stand for the truth. And I, I begin to read about this, and, and, and it's a little while later now, and he goes down to Ramoth Gilead to, to fight with Ahab. And, and for, for as righteous as the man was supposed to be, he couldn't see past his own nose. And the guy says, Look, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, I am going to put on the garb of a, of a foot soldier. You keep on your kingly robes. Now, what's he doing there? It seems very noble on the surface, doesn't it? I'm not going to stand back in the back lines and let my men die for me. I'm going to get into the battle and fight with them. I'm going to bleed with them. I'm going to sweat with them. I'm going to die with them. But it was hypocrisy. That's not what he was doing. He wanted that guy to have the big old dot on him so that enemy, any enemy arrows or any enemy spears will be shooting at that guy and not me. you see what the Syrians do. They say, don't fight with small or great except with the king of Israel. Kill him. Kill him. Well, he gets out there, and the battle begins to rage, and of course Ahab probably scampered off to the back of the battle because he didn't want to fight, and, and, and there's Jehoshaphat, and before he knows it, he's surrounded by enemy soldiers with their spear points at him. He doesn't know how he got into this situation. What, What happened here is because he conformed. It's because he conformed. Let me tell you something tonight. If you conform, if you listen to the voice of Satan in your life, I am prophesying to you right now. I may be young, but I have been anointed to preach the gospel, and I am prophesying to you right now. You will come to a place in your life where you will be surrounded by your enemies. You won't know what to do. There won't be any way out because you conform. You listen to me. You listen to me. It will happen as sure as the sun rises in the morning. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord. And God heard him and saved him that day. Now let me just throw this in there. It was his relationship with God that saved him. It was his relationship with God that kept him from dying that day. Now, a young person or even adults will look at the person beside them and they'll know that this person is not doing right and they'll see this person get away with it. They'll see a little bit of conformity in their life and say, hey, hey, why can't I do it? What, what's wrong with me going over there? See, they're getting away with it. See, Jehoshaphat didn't die and he did it. What if you're the one to die? What if you are the one who doesn't get away that day? What if it's you? What if it's you? If you conform, it's very likely that it will be you. And so I read about these, these, these great compromisers in the Bible. And I read about these men who had no backbone. And I read about these men who did not know what it was to listen to the voice of God. And they almost, to, everyone, to the man, almost every one of them died. Almost every one of them lost out with God. Almost every one of them failed in anything that they pursued the great compromisers, the great conformers. But then I read about the great conquerors. I read about a few men of God who would not bow to the voice of the enemy. I I heard about a king in the Bible. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He decided he was going to play a little music and the whole world was going to bow down to him. But I read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that would not bow knee to the systems of this world. That would not bow knee to a king of this world who would not let this world have rulership in his life even though it meant they had to go through the fires and through the flames. I read about people in this Bible who against hope believed in hope against all things that seemed like it would destroy them. They still live for God. They still live for God. I'm here to encourage you tonight. You're fighting a hard battle. You've come here hurting, but if you just hold on to that rock of ages, God will keep you. God will keep you. Hallelujah. Why don't you give God glory right now? We worship you, God. We magnify you, O oh God. There is none like you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I read, I read this, this, this part of the scripture here where it says that, that, that your people are like my people. And your ways are like my it reminded me of something. I turned back to the book of Ruth and I began to read. And there was a woman. There was a woman and she she was a Jewess, and her name was Naomi. And she had two sons named Malon and Shilion, And 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 Ruth and Orpah were Gentiles. They were not part of the covenants of promise. They were aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. And I read where They come and and tragedy strikes the family and and they they marry Malon and Chilion and Malon and Chilion die and their father dies and they have no kinsman redeemer. There's no one to to marry them to to raise up a bloodline in that name and so they they have no hope. And you read where Orpah looks at Naomi and and, and Naomi is a type of the church And, and it looks at Naomi and says, I'm going back to where I came from. Uh, And and Naomi's actually pushing them. Go, go. go. I I have nothing to offer you. I can't can't give you anything right now. Right now, it doesn't look good. Right now, it looks bad. Right now, I have nothing that's going to produce any kind of fruit in your life. So go home. And Orpah looks at Naomi. I'm going. I'm gone. She kisses her and she leaves. But Ruth, Ruth looks (laughs) at her. You know what? Let me turn there uh, and read it to you. This is incredible. I, I, there are people who, given the opportunity will, to stay with God, to stay with the truth, will turn their back on God and will go right back to where they came from. And, and that's what Orpah did that day. Well, I'll get to it. But she said, they, uh, She looks up and says, Your people are going to be my people, your ways are going to be my ways. See, she was doing to Naomi. What Jehoshaphat did to Ahab. Doing it the other direction. Doing it the right way. Let me tell you something. Just because it looks bad right now. Just because it looks like there is no redeemer in your life. Just because the future looks bleak. And the sunset is sorrowful. Just because things are bad now. Doesn't mean you should let go of the church. It is everything. I want this church to be part of my life. She looked at Naomi and said, where you die, I want to die. Where you're buried, I want to be buried. I want everything about my life to have something to do with you. Remain standing. Remain standing. I want everything in my life to be about you. I read about a man who came on the scene and this man did things that nobody ever did before. He 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 didn't call on God to raise people from the dead. He spoke and rose people from the dead. He he opened blinded eyes. He healed people with the palsy. He, he healed those that could not walk. And after doing all of these wonderful things, this world that's trying to get you to conform to it, stuck them on a cross and killed them. Now, that seems like, like, like a horrible place to be, doesn't it? That seems like a terrible position to find yourself. But when I look at that cross, I see something very different. I see hope. I see hope. Yes, it's painful right now. Yes, it hurts right now. But joy is coming in the morning. I want to die where He has died. I have to be buried where He was buried. Because if I am, Because if I am, if I receive that spirit, the Bible says that that spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. Hey, that's hope. That's hope. You look at me, young man. You look at me, young woman. You want to make a difference in this world? Don't act like this world. I see people that pierce their noses and dress all in black and all these baggy pants and chains and tattoos and piercing after piercing after piercing after piercing. They're becoming more like the world. They lose their individuality even more. You want to be separate? You want to be called out? You want to make a difference in this world? You stick to the truth. Somebody ought to be clapping louder than that. If you want to make a difference in this world, you have to stick to the truth. And I know that this country is going to hell in the proverbial handbasket. But I hear echoing from the scriptures. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them and forgive their sins and heal their land. That's That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Let's begin to worship God right now. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. If there's someone here tonight and you feel that you have been pressured by the enemy to turn away from this precious truth, if there's somebody here tonight that is tired of living in the mediocrity of this life, that is tired of succumbing to the whims of the flesh, if there's somebody here tonight that wants to make a difference in their world, why don't you come forward right now? Why doesn't everybody just come forward right? If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God can change you right now. You'll never be the same. You'll never walk the same. You'll never talk the same. You'll never see the same. And God can touch you right now. Let's begin to worship God. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. I glorify your name, oh God. I exalt you in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship God tonight, church. We gotta seek God right now, church. It's a struggle for survival.
0: I daily meet the foe. I'm out there on the battlefield. At times I stand alone. That's when I reach for my holy earth.